time to take control of my son's life. Let's see, what can he build? <gasps> Perfect! The Washington Monument? Hmm, Washington Monument. I did it! I helped my son! Helicopter Homer, away! Black Hawk Down! Black Hawk Down! You're listening to the podcast, So There I Was. This is episode 44 with Candyman. Candyman, and it was awesome. It was indeed. So he was one of our listeners that reached out. So you who are listeners who have good stories, reach out. You are going to enjoy this ride. Candyman took us for a ride through Afghanistan, through Iraq. Although the ride in Iraq wasn't so exciting, was it, Fig? What did he say? No, he said, uh, so there I was, 10 feet. 120 knots. I was bored. I was scratching my head going, what? It's all what? perspective. <laughs> it is perspective. Yeah. And, uh, boy, he, he had some. And uh, what a great storyteller, uh, the Candyman. He talked about looking through the dust and the goo and, and seeing somebody's tail rotor inches from his canopy. <laughs> terrifying. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. Yeah. What does crew chief say when they almost did a C-17? That guy's eyes were blue. I could see he, the pilot had blue eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Folks, you're going to love this one. This is another first, too, by the way. I don't know if you uh, caught this or not, but he is a Marine, right. uh, you know, because he yeah. was a Marine. And he's a Marine and uh, went Army uh, helicopter pilot. Yeah. So he was a first He was a grunt. He said they were sandbags for the uh, WTI helicopter pilots flying out of Yuma. And he's riding up the Chocolate Mountains one night at dusk going, this is pretty cool. I could do this. I could do this. Yeah. And he did. To the tune of about 3,300 hours. Combat veteran. 1,100 combat hours. This is a fun ride. So, tell you what. Let's see. Don't let go of the collective. I don't know. There's no objection here. Don't let go of the collective. Sit back and enjoy the ride. Because this is a hell of a ride, folks. Enjoy. Good one. Good one. On the tanker. Through the weather. Oh, and to the uh, tanker crew who uh, did that. Thanks a lot. We really appreciated that. I'm just kidding. No matter. Well, there I was crossing the pond, and you could see that I wasn't exactly fun. So there I was. Which is how all great aviation tales start. Welcome, everyone. This is Fig coming to you from Kansas City. And I have my co-horse today. Where are you, Repeat? I'm home today. I was on the road earlier this week. I'm back home. Yeah. So Fig has his uh, Kansas City Chief sweatshirt on for good luck because we're recording this on uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Maybe a week or so before we get out to it. Week and a half, two. I don't know. I've lost track. The point is, we are here today with a special guest, special, an Army <laughs> Blackhawk pilot who Super we're going to call Candyman, and we'll get into why here in just a little bit. But I can already tell he's having entirely too much fun here with us. So welcome, <laughs> Candyman. Yes, thank welcome. you. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here, guys. Love, love the show. Thank you. Yeah. So Candyman was a listener and reached out and said, hey, you know, I've, I've got one or two tales I may be able to shed some light on and uh i'm like okay you know yeah he's so he did a tour in iraq three tours in afghanistan 
I don't know. Maybe some things happened there that are. He's been. Of he's been. He's been. Yeah. He's been there a minute. Oh my gosh! And and the the, uh, the pictures and the videos that he's already sent. Um, oh. Well, first of all, like uh, it, the one that we were talking about before we went on there terrified me. Uh, so <laughs> I I can't wait to hear stories yeah. from the Candyman. That turned into my favorite thing to do because it used to scare the shit out of me. And uh, I realized, (laughs) well, quick, quick side point. So I was a brand new PC or sorry, pilot in command. I was out training and this is when I was stationed at Fort Bliss. So I came back from my first Afghanistan deployment and we, we got bracked, which you guys have covered already. Uh, We all got moved to Fort Bliss, which was all the senior guys were like, I'm not going to Fort Bliss. I don't want to be in the desert. So I became, I went from a senior pilot to a senior pilot in command in about one check ride because wow. there was nobody else there. So wow. it was, yeah, it was a little something else. So I was afraid of dust landings because I learned it under the old, the old way. And the old way was just truly terrifying. Like the way that you saw in that video, it was a yes. slow, smooth, controlled descent. It used to be literally you would just come in and just slam it in the ground and hit the brakes and, and hope you didn't hit anything in front of you. <laughs> was that was that to get down before the dust before the dust cloud uh, completely obscured your vision? Basically, that's what they would try and do is you would try and beat the dust to the ground. So you're doing, you know, 15, 20 miles an hour into obviously unimproved terrain in an aircraft that has three gear. So it's not like it's it's pretty stable because it's it's got a wide set uh landing gear and stuff like that, but you basically would just plant it in the ground and hope for the best, essentially. And I'm, so I'm what, obviously paraphrasing, but what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? I mean, you're just ripping uh, off landing gear and digging blades and, and, and rotors and, and hitting divots and stuff. Oh, yeah, it was terrible. It was terrible. So that's the way I was taught. So it used to scare the crap out of me. Well, when I was at Fort Bliss, when I was a young PC, they used to scare me to death. So I'd try and avoid doing it. Well, I had a crew chief. He was our company SI. So like the uh, backseat instructor, instructor okay. if that makes sense. So standardization instructor is what it's called. Okay. I have nothing but great things to say about him. His name's Carson. But uh, he was, we were out flying and I was like, oh, I guess we should do some dust landings. Because at the time they were just called dust landings or brownouts. Now they have an official term, DVE or degraded visual environment. But, you know, I didn't want to go out and do them because I was scared to death of them. And he said, and I'm, and I'm quoting here, he said, sir, stop being a fucking pussy and go land in the dirt. And I was like, <laughs> okay, he's right. Dang. So I went out and <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> right. I was like, you're absolutely right. So I went out and just scared the shit out of myself every night. Oh, we do that at night a lot. Oh, fun. oh well, that makes often. it easier. So the, you, yeah. you well, don't, <laughs> there's nothing to be scared of because you can't see. Nah. Yeah. You just close your eyes and hope for the best, right? Good Lord. So I went out every night and just scared the bejesus out of myself over and over and over and over and over until I stopped being scared. And then that was when I started getting better at it because, you know, it's like, before, you know, like when you're getting a, in a fist fight, the first time you get punched, everything kind of slows down. You kind of calm down a little bit. Once you sure. get over that fear of it, you can then think and process what's going on. <laughs> so that's proof that you guys are knucking futs. <laughs> okay. All right, I, well, I have a burning question I got to ask right out of the gate. This is, mm-hmm. do you know what? Uh, if you don't want to answer it, Candyman, it's okay. Uh, uh, I'm just going to pester you until you do. All right. Well, uh, first of all, it's a two part question. How many hours in the in rotary uh, aircraft do you have? Uh, I'm on the sunny side of 3,300 total. 
Um, I am two. I literally, so I'm retiring in about like seven or eight months and I am an hour, no, two and a half hours short of a thousand hours of goggle. That's, that's the last thing that I want to do is break a thousand MBG. And then I've got like 1100 and something combat hours, somewhere from that area. Okay. Oh so, uh, wow. 3,300, that's a lot. That's a lot in a helicopter. Yeah, my back will tell you about it, too. How many times have you crashed? Crashed? Zero. Okay. All right. So, I'm not going to look. Okay. So, okay. You, so you've never I've, bent metal? Uh, well, there's, there's, a, there's a fine line between crashing and bending metal. I have okay. bent metal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we were doing, surprise, surprise, a dust landing in, uh, this is Afghanistan Part 2, the sequel. You have to okay. name the sequels. I don't know if you can okay. do that or not. What year, part, what year was uh, was part two? What part year? two would have been 2013. Okay. I, so my, I, my deployments were, I did a year in 10-11, uh, and then I went back again in 13, and then I came back again in 15-16. We, yeah. uh, we had some overlap in 10-11. Uh, in oh, really? Where, where, do you ever go up to Mez or kill a guy? Or? Well, you know, we, were, we flew out of Bagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... The only places that I can think, were you flying H-60s at the time or 47s? 60s. I just started flying 47s about two years ago. You know, we went all over the place um, into those little fobs that had. Uh, How about Maimana? Because I actually saw a C-130 land at Maimana, and then they back taxied, and they were that, just. Was that up in the northwest part? It sure was. Yeah. It sure yeah. was. Yeah, it looked like the moon sort of. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Yes, I was there doing med chase, so I might actually, I might actually watch you land out there. To be honest with you, because we all were like, "Hey, there's a C one thirty coming in," so we came out outside the wall and watched. Uh, we parked our the black. Well, sorry, so it was a Norwegian fob, and they had like their modified Hueys doing medevac. So we got to country. We were the first uh, combat, so cab combat aviation brigade. We were the first ones to go to that part of the country as a okay. as a brigade. So when we got out there, we went to May. One of the places we went to was Maimana to do medevac. And yeah. I'm not a medevac pilot. I'm an air assault pilot through and through. And we can explain the difference in the black. There's three distinct Blackhawk pilot types. There's medevac. There's the the cat guys, command and control. They do VIP stuff. And then there's air yeah. assault pilots. I'm an air assault pilot. I'm going to clarify that one. Okay. But uh, so we would go and do med chase for the the medevac birds because they don't have guns. They have a red cross. You're not allowed to carry guns, Geneva conventions, so on and so forth. So we would fly behind them and basically pull top cover. So if anybody started getting squirrely, we'd swoop down and shoot them with our door guns, essentially. Okay. Because Apaches okay. can't keep up. They're too slow. I did not. I wasn't aware of the three different distinctions. I just mm. figured, uh, you know, what the hell do I know? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm learning. This is uh, I, you know, I just learned something. Yeah, there's very different. So all the 47 guys are pretty, pretty much the same. They're all like, "Hey, man, it's all good, whatever, dude," because their helicopter does so much stuff. Sorry, our, our, sorry, goose. Okay, our helicopter <laughs> does so much that they can be really chill. Whereas Blackhawks. I mean, I grew up in a 1975, the height of 1970s technology in a steam gauge Lima with a 128D GPS. And all I had was a little yellow needle to point where I was going. And that was it. We're doing time on targets 
plus or minus 30 seconds, you know, with a flight of seven based off of that. So it was, it was kind of, you know, rip your hair out. I remember those but, days. Oh yeah. It's super fun. Um, <laughs> I, but I will say this, one of the most satisfying things in the world to me now, granted I am weird, but one of the most satisfying things in the world to me was when I was short final leading a flight of however many, three, four, five, six, whatever, no matter. And um, we're in low and the dust is kicking up. The crew chiefs are, are calling the dust. And I just glance down at the clock and I'm just like right on time. And then I just put it on the ground. I just, that is the most satisfying feeling in the world. Cause it's hard, you know, yeah. like doing all that stuff. And when everything's, clicking and the stack calls or sorry uh i don't know if you guys have talked about a stack yet i can't remember i don't think you have so uh no. a stack is and it's pretty much for permissive environments like afghanistan iraq and stuff like that what they'll do is you'll have various assets whether it be f-16s f-18s ac-130s we love the ac-130 guys occasionally they would laze the wrong lc but that's okay we're not gonna hold that against them and then you would have you know three or four different UAVs and stuff like that. And what they would do is they would stack them. So like down low would be the Apaches, above them would be the F-16s, above them would be the F-18s and so on and so forth. And it just kind of varied. Okay. Okay. So you would talk to all these people, all these entities on the way in, you would give timing calls and stuff like that because, you know, it's all, it all needs to work together. If it, and if it is working together, it's just, it's beautiful. Everything is clicking. You give a call and then you get six calls back and then the rocket goes out for the alum shot and then, hey, the lights are on, and you can see, and it's 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 fantastic. I just really love doing that stuff. I may have interrupted you. Uh, I think you were going somewhere before I started firing those questions at you about flight times and how many times you crashed. Did were you were you going? Did I totally derail your thought? Probably. I squirrel pretty hard nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> just ask anybody at work; they'll they'll be like, "Oh, Delp squirreled again." Oh, that's funny. All right. Um, okay. I, lo I lost my train of thought. I was thinking about what you were talking about, the stack, and then my mind went back to the stack. Okay. Uh, uh, I can tell you about the time I bent the airframe a little bit. We, just yeah, a small. We okay. okay. All right. So there's a little panel. So what we're out doing uh, goggle dust landings as with a, with a younger guy. He's actually now an airline pilot, believe it or not. There's, there's quite a few of us who, who have become airline pilots. But anyway, so we're out there doing some training. And this is when I was still kind of figuring out my technique. And I was like, no, you got to stick it in the ground because that way you know you're on the ground. This is earlier in. This is before I figured out the slowest, smooth, smoothest, fast situation. Sure. So uh, essentially, we're coming in and we stick it in the ground and we rolled into like a little rut that we couldn't see because it's zero loom in Afghanistan. And Fig, you've, you've flown it. Did you guys ever fly goggles in C-130s? Always. Always. Uh, okay. Because most of our flying in and out of the, in the hot places were always at night. Yeah. So you know how dark Afghanistan is. Now, I'm sure like overwater stuff is dark, darker than that, I'm, I'm sure. But there is nothing like Afghanistan at night because the alum, and I'm sure you remember this, it's the weirdest alum I've ever seen. So it'll be zero alum for three weeks. There'll be a day or two of 20 or 30%. And then you'll have a hundred percent alum for three or four days. And then two or three days of 20% and then it's zero again. Yeah. So yeah. it's just, it's dark. And all you so, can see. Your and that's based on the phases of the moon, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. 
And it's like most places, there's, you know, it kind of starts to get bigger and then it gets a little bit, then it gets smaller and stuff. Some reason that country, I don't know what it is about where it's located on the earth, but it just goes from like extremes. <laughs> Very unnerving when you're descending through the mountains and you can't see the mountains. It's not fun. We, we call that this darker than the inside of a cat. <laughs> and, I always use the phrase darker, <laughs> darker than the inside of a well digger's ass is what we always used to say. <laughs> there you go. I think I'd rather be in a cat. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a title. I think I'd rather be in a cat. <laughs> anyway. Well, man. All right. So uh, Afghanistan, second fa- phase, phase one. What, what are you calling phase one? Were you there earlier than um, 10, 11? No, no. That was my first one. So I went. Okay. So obviously I was in the Marine Corps. And uh, Semper Fi. God bless, and, God bless America and God bless the United States Marine Corps. Right, right. So did the, uh, did the Marine thing. I was uh, in infantry for, for four years, got out, uh, met my wife uh, actually when we were downrange. Actually, not downrange. We were deployed to Okinawa. So I met her in Okinawa, which is a whole other story. Uh, but anyway, best thing, just as a side point that ever happened to me, is, is up there reading a book. But that's beside the point. So we uh, got out of the Marine Corps, came home. I was a fireman for like about two years, sort of tractor trailer on the side, sort of thing. Yeah. And I went to flight school in 2008. Actually, on April Fools of 2008 is when I shipped to go to Warrant Officer Candidate School. And the reason that I had to be a Warrant Officer, the, the Army is the only service that would let me fly for two reasons. A, I don't have a college degree, never went to college. And two, I was blind as a bat before I had LASIK. Okay. Uh, 2,800 vision, I believe. I oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. I was real bad, real bad. LASIK like works. Beagly, beagly lined. <laughs> yeah, I was beagly lined. And so I got, I got this eye surgery, and the Air Force was like, nope. The Navy was like, oh, we don't care if you have LASIK, but it can't be past this refraction. Well, I was a quarter... I think a quarter of a point past what they would even allow me to fly anything. So it is what it is. Go army.com. Did you, uh, did you have that surgery before you, you went in the Marine Corps? No, no, no. After, um, okay. I got out of the Marine Corps in 2004. I had the surgery in 2006. I think it was. Cause you had to let it rest for like a year or two, I think before you could go to yeah. flight school. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Nice. Uh, so and are you 2020 now or close to it? I'm 2015 actually, even to this oh. day. I got this oh, actually a funny side point. When I was so I was a saw gunner in the Marine Corps. Uh-huh. I was an 0311, the uh, most basic. <laughs> yep. Remember, hump, remember humping that thing around? The, yeah. Oh yeah. The saw wasn't so bad. It was all the damn ammo cans. Right. Oh, it through ammo so fast. Oh Jesus. Yeah. It's a squad uh, so, automatic weapon saw. Yeah. This is M249. A funny side point about like the reason I learned about like flying helicopters because I'd never really thought about it before. I was in uh, 2nd Battalion, 7th Marines. This is even before I met my wife, actually. This is a long, long time ago. We've been together for 20 years. So we were doing WTI. I know you guys, I can't remember what it stands for. Weapons and Tactics Instructor. There you go. We were the sandbags. 
for all the the helicopters and stuff. Okay. So we were out there just just doing air assault after air assault after air assault, running through the jungle or not jungle, running through the desert yeah. and shooting stuff and so on and so forth. Well, um, we caught a ride through the chocolate mountains at dusk in the back of a 53 and they're just shucking and jiving down through these mountain passes. And I was like, I could, I could do this. That's pretty awesome. I could do this. <laughs> well, fast forward to the second time we went back. So we deployed to Okinawa, which is just the regular UDP, nothing, nothing crazy. Just your standard Marine Corps. You're going to go somewhere kind yep. of thing. Come back, go back to WTI. Now I'm a corporal. So now I'm important. Well, I was, uh, I was in the front in, I was the chalk leader and had like the crane, you remember the cranials that they would wear like on ships yeah. and stuff. Okay. So they would just give us one. So I'm wearing this cranial and I'm hearing the pilots talk and it's like John and Bob. I don't, I don't remember. So John's like, Hey Bob, who's buying the, uh, the beer for the debrief tonight? And I was like, and I'm listening. I'm like, what, what did he say? And he's like, Oh, it's Johnny's turn. You know, uh, he's got it's his turn to buy a beer for the debrief. And I was like, hold on a minute, gentlemen. Let me just get this right. I'm going to go run around through the desert for like three or four days, and you're going to go back and drink beer? You guys are going to go like, back and drink beer over a debrief. This all sounds good to me, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, I need to do that. Fast yeah. forward, you know, 20 years, and here I am. How about that? That's awesome. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, so unprofessional, though, Fig. We never debriefed over beer, did we? No, 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 absolutely <laughs> not. Well, these you were helicopter jockeys. Maybe they do something different. No, <laughs> you believe me, don't you? Come on. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Hundred percent. Never, oh, yeah. never. <laughs> oh man. Oh, that's, that's awesome. awesome. So uh, that that's uh, so you know you you came so you're really not an army guy. You're you're really a marine. You know you're like yeah, a exactly. wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah, exactly. You're a marine. I still root for navy and the army, army helicopters. Navy yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yeah. I catch a lot of flack when Army wins uh, the Army-Navy game because I still root for Navy to this very day. Good. Uh, as you should. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, uh, you know, for, uh, for me, uh, flying in Afghanistan, I mean, I, I know what that was like for me. I, I think for you, it was a little more personal, a little a more bit. close. Yeah, so maybe. Talk, 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 tell us about typical uh, – combat flying day in Afghanistan? Well, so there's a lot of different things. Um, I was either blessed or not blessed to do a lot of the, the screwier, more fun stuff. Cause I, I get bored real easy. I got a real short attention span and flying what we used to call a ring route. Now my first deployment, I had a lot of ring routes cause that's how you build time and get used to the flying the helicopter and, and kind of get comfortable with it. Right. And a ring route is where you go. It, it's fob hopping. You go from, yeah, Mez to Kunduz to kill a guy to OP North to back to, and, and you just basically you're just moving people, just ass and trash, right? Yeah. And that's what most of us did. The majority of Army helicopters were done, were doing that sort of a thing. Now, um, now Apaches would go do Apache stuff and so on and so forth. But then we had what we call DELOPS or deliberate operations. So my first deployment, I got to do one and a half. Cause I was super rookie. Like I finished RL progression out of flight school in Afghanistan. Like I, I showed it to my unit and six months later I was in Afghanistan out of flight school. So, so, uh, let, let me back, let's back up just a second. I'm going to ask you about that. So mm -hmm. when you got qualified you, you, and you showed up at your first operational unit, 
mm-hmm. you were not completely finished training. Is that is that correct? Uh, not ex- yes, but no. So the way it works in the army. So the army likes to leave like some of the 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 finishing the polishing the turd so to speak at the at the very end uh <laughs> to the unit because the units right. so like we talk about blackhawks have different personalities blackhawk pilots yeah so a blackhawk guy that comes out of flight school and goes to an air assault unit is going to really really harp on a few specific things whereas a med guy is going to harp on some different stuff does that make sense so when you're talking about the different types of mission sets that we have in the army, it's kind of hard to train all those things at flight school, specifically at Fort Rucker, right? Okay. There's no, yeah. there's no dust or anything like that. So they leave, they hit all the, the big stuff. You're safe to fly. You can do a time on target and, and the basic stuff, but the specifics to wherever you go is left up to the unit. And that's, were, go ahead. Were you, uh, qualified in the H in the in the Blackhawk when you left Fort Rucker? Yes, that is true. Okay. Okay. Let me so, explain that. So in the back in the day, you would go through the TH sixty seven, which is what the Navy uses the same. They call something different, but it's the same basic Bell Jet Ranger helicopter. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And that thing is just oh that's a squirrely rascal. It is it'll it'll get your attention. So after that, uh in my day, you would finish all that, you would do um you do the daytime contact stuff, like how you fly, how you do auto rotations, and so on and so forth. Then you would do instrument phase, which is flying in the clouds, which I know you guys know. And then after that, you would go through what's called BWS, basic warfighter skills, I believe is what it means. And after that, you would go through selection. And what they would do is at they they do a much bigger ado about it now. They've improved quite a few things. But in my day, they literally had a whiteboard and they would say they had however many aircraft were available and they would say, I would turn the whiteboard around there, hold it up. And it was, <laughs> it was funny as crap because I had a lot of guys that want to go guns in my class. And I just, I didn't want nothing to do with it. And uh, so they turn this thing around and it's this many Blackhawks, this many Apaches, this many 58 D's, which we don't have anymore, so on and so forth. And they're like, all right, you're first in the class. What do you want? He's like, well, I'm cool. So I want to be a Blackhawk pilot. And then the next guy, all right, cool. What do you want? He's like, I'm also cool. I want to be a Blackhawk pilot. The third guy is like, I'm kind of a nerd. I want to be an Apache guy. So <laughs> you see where this is going. I see where this is going. Repeat. Yeah. So uh, when I went through, there was zero 47 slots. There was just, there was literally a frowny face next to Chinooks. So had that been an option, I don't know that I, w- I probably would have gone Hawks uh, anyway. But now the, the Chinook is just, it's a really, really cool helicopter. Okay. But just, so <clears throat> I, pr- pretend because there's a lot of people out there that don't know what a Chinook is and don't mm. know what a Blackhawk is and don't know what an Apache is. So can you describe each of those uh, birds and, and what kind what their mission mostly surrounds and um and what and what else is there i mean I, I could be wrong but i seem to recall the army has a crap ton of fixed wing birds too hey hey yeah yeah, yeah. this is uh, uh Candyman's our first is he is he our first army helicopter guy because we had coast guard yes. we had Nate. yeah yes well okay yeah. we're, ma- we're you're More breaking history, the baby. seal More you're history. breaking the seal here candy yeah yeah All i've right. got a couple other people that that i might uh give your contact info to to get on that got some pretty good stories as well right on all right 
That's so what we're here for bro, that's what we're here for. <laughs> so yeah, I'm so, sorry to take you off track, but it just no, no, it's fine. just a little bit of uh, of what some of the birds are and what the missions are because okay. uh, I, I, I'm blissfully ignorant of many of that those uh, myself. I know a little bit, okay. but I've been out of it for so long. There's a lot of it I don't know. So you have the AH64 Apache. We'll just start alphabetically. So the AH64 Apache is the uh, attack helicopter. They go out and they've got sensors and missiles and bomb, uh, not bombs, missiles and guns and rockets and stuff like that. And uh, they go out and do, they blow up tanks, they pull security. They're actually gunships. the gunships. Yeah, they're very, very useful when people are shooting at you. So, so, you know, I, as a Marine, I am just, uh, I'm really kind of shocked that you didn't want to fire, you know, fly something that you could, <laughs> you know, blow shit it was up, the helicopter. Blow shit <laughs> just, blow shit up. What the hell? <laughs> what happened to you? <laughs> Did that saw wear you out? You're like, no, just, no, 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 <laughs> no. It was the helicopter itself. I just, if right. we had Cobras, like if the army had Cobras, I would have been a Cobra pilot. Okay. Those things are just, just a sexy helicopter. It's it sleek, is it is smooth, and man, Especially a lot the whiskey of, models, which have four blades. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was that came after my time. But, like, yeah. those things are sweet. Yeah. And then the Apache just, I mean, it's and it's good at what it does. Don't get, don't get me wrong. Like, every everything in, in all of our different communities, we all talk smack to each other, but we all love each other. Yeah. Um, I just, it just did. The helicopter itself, I looked at it and I learned a little bit about it. And I was like, that's just not my thing. They fly with this, this eye thing over, like it flips down. Have you ever seen the movie Firebirds? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Is, that Nick, so, is that Nick Cage? Nick Cage? The- yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So if you well, that want was to real, that was all real. All that stuff was real. 100% right? every bit of it. Okay. So yeah. I got, actually, this is funny, my third deployment. So this is Afghanistan part three. Uh, this time it's personal. That's the that sequel's right. name. <laughs> and I learned I Googled like lines from that movie from from Firebirds. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and wait, we wait. were in Dwyer. I was doing med chase again. It was one of my rotations out there doing med chase. And they had the Apache guys, they had this little like shack built inside the bigger, like it was a call it was a building sort of, but it was like a one story kind of thing. And they had built this little shack so they could have like their little secret Apache, you know, handshakes and stuff in there. Well, I had memorized lines from this movie. So I would go up to their shack and I would boot in the door and start screaming lines from far from that movie at them. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've forgotten them now. But like, I'd boot in the door and be like, his heart and braid wired together, cook a full tilt boogie for freedom of justice. And like, yelled at him and just walk out the door. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, awesome. oh, oh, as a side point, do you know the uh, wounded warrior guy, the, the, the outline of the wounded warrior program that oh, dude, right. yeah. yes. he is a Marine. He was, he was a Marine sergeant. I know him. He's now an Apache pilot in the army. Really? He, and he was there. He actually, I actually talked him into watching firebirds with me. And that was a, uh, that was a bit of a mistake for him. Cause I screwed with him mercilessly the whole movie. <laughs> But then we went out and he put me in the front seat of the Apache. Excuse me. And he had me put the helmet on with the little, the little eye thing. And I'm looking around and I'm like, and I'm just doing this stuff and looking around. I'm like, you're nuts. This is awful. I don't know how you do anything because they fly off this one eye and it's no, thank you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's the Apache. All right. And then you have the CH 47 Chinook, right? Which is the cargo helicopter. It looks like a flying bus. Right? right, it's about the size of a bus, or 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 an inverted uh, egg beater. Right, it's the counter, inverted the egg two beater, large yeah. counter rotating. Uh, yep, rotors. 
Daddy used to call it the double whopper. There you go. Whopper, whopper, Exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay. So that's your heavy lift bird. It can carry Jesus. Uh, I personally have seen we were doing uh, air assaults, and they had 65 shooters in the back and two four-wheelers. That was a Marsoc team out of Farah that oh, was wow. doing that. And they had – now, granted, most of them were Afghanis, like their, their partner forces, but they were just – it was standing room only. They were packed in like sardines. I was looking in the back of the ramp, and I was like, Jesus, there's a lot of people in there. Yeah. How many clowns can you get in that uh, VW, huh? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You fit them in until wow. there's no more room. Oh, and then, man. obviously, you have the Black Hawk, which is kind of like the F-150 of Army Aviation. It does a little bit of everything. So, you can fit... Uh, and the thing to keep in mind with like when you're carrying people and stuff like that is there's power limitations and stuff depending yeah. on, you know, density, density altitude, altitude and temperatures right, yeah. and all that other stuff. Okay. So it depends. I've had as many as 18 people in the back of my Blackhawk. Whoa. And I've been able to carry as few. Yeah, that was, that was, that was snug. Uh, that was the first time I got shot at was that day. Now, now uh, for anyway. reference, how many, how many seats back there? So people understand oh. when you're saying 18 people, how crowded that really is. Oh, yeah. There's 11 seats in the back. But when we were working with special operations guys, which was m- more often than not downrange, uh, we would just take the seats out and they'd sit on the floor. Yeah. So they just kind of smush in together. Um, it was so I had gear. 18. That's, you're probably figuring two and a quarter, 250 a piece or more. Uh, well, so the Americans would plan on 300. Okay. And then the Afghanis, we would plan about 200 because they were usually pretty skinny. Okay. Okay. Wow. That's a lot. I was going to say, or did you hear? Yeah. 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 It was, I, I, I don't have a picture of it. Unfortunately, I, I, I'd let you look at it, but it was like they were smushed in like sardines. It was pretty awesome. And then there, there are days when the most I could carry was, you know, six or seven. And that's okay. just, wow. just when it's a hot day. Right. Right on. And then, uh, so those are the, the three that are still helicopters, which are on the service. There used to be what's called the 58D. Um, the Kiowa Warrior, which is actually a neat little helicopter. It's not, it was designed originally as like a VIP transport, like back in the 70s. Okay. But the, the army being resourceful, sort of strapping guns on it, and then it turned into the 58D, and they would now do that was scout a, missions. Like a, that was a two seater bubble helicopter with, with the, uh, it, some kind of a pod over the rotor. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's like a, a big Bell Jet Ranger. Okay. It had four blades and had that like, thing on top the siding pot or whatever it yeah, was read license plates or something <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah no well they didn't need that to read license plates they were usually about four feet off the ground so they could just read it with their eyes um <laughs> goodness so those guys were those guys are crazy they <laughs> right uh, i know a, yeah a friend of mine uh when i went through the ip course in 60s he was a 58d guy and we were just, you know, kind of trading war stories. He's like, yeah, I got hit by an IED one time. And I was like, would you land on it? Because that's how most of us would hit an IED. You land on it. He's like, yeah. no, no, no. Um, it was on a motorcycle. And I wanted to see it looked kind of weird. So he flew over top of the motorcycle and did like a bank thing to look at the motorcycle. And about the time he got just past it, they popped the IED and it blew a hole in his tail boom. Holy so, shit. <laughs> yeah. So he flew back. God, I can't remember the fob. He flew back to the fob, wherever it was, and he lands, and he's like, "Oh, I'm not, I'm not straight and centered up on the pad because you know professionals use the center." So he goes to pick back up. Well, when he went flat pitch, and or sorry, put the collective all the way down to land, mm-hmm. yeah. it the the last little bit on the tail boom just gave way, and he goes, "Are you shitting me?" And yeah. fell off oh, right yeah. there. Uh, oh, yeah. So it it like boop, 
like that. He hit the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he goes to pull power back in again. He's like doing this stuff. And, and he's like, no, all the crew chiefs on the ground uh, run over and like, no, stop. You know, so he goes flat pitch. He got into a little bit of trouble for that one because <laughs> they're like why would you do that to a motorcycle and he's like i want to see if it's an id which made sense to me but you know and, and okay. it turned the, out it was hmm. the answer <laughs> was yes <laughs> the answer was yes it that is very true indeed. okay there you go holy smokes and uh and just to quickly cover it i think we might have already but just want to circle back uh fob is forward operating base or fob so yeah yeah okay yeah. And then we do have airplanes also in the Army. We got C-12s and UC-35s, I think they are. They're like the business jet thing. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Cessnas. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Cessna Citation. So they... Barbie jet. Exactly. Those things are tiny. I got to ride in one once, and I was like, this thing is a little bitty. But uh, they do basically VIP transport and that sort of thing. And then there's the RC-12... And then there's a no, no RC12. Yeah, RC12. And then there's another one. That I can't remember what it's called. Like the Dash something or another. It's a bigger four engine thing. Okay. And they do like Intel kind of stuff out of it. I don't really know what they do. Can't tell Interesting. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't tell you if I wanted to. I have no idea. When, when do you know? And I guess it doesn't matter. But when did the Army get rid of Hueys? Roughly. That would have been probably like completely out of the guard and reserve and everything. Probably the mid 90s, I would say. Okay. Because that Which, was a big utilitarian oh, light, light lift helicopter. We had them in the Marine Corps for the longest time, too. I don't know. Still got them. them. No, they're still there. Yeah, they got they got the, I think it's the Zulu model, Hueys. <laughs> Four blades. Can't, it's, can't make any more than that. Zulu, you're out of letters. Yeah. Well, they'll, they'll, they'll <laughs> wrap it back around. Alpha, alpha, alpha. 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 That's right. <laughs> yeah. what, what do we know about the Marine Corps? The Marine Corps will find a way. Oh, yeah. That's right. They will find a way to cheap out and not buy a new airplane. Yeah, no, right. they'll do an upgrade to it, uh, and then they'll call it the UE Alpha Alpha. Yeah. <laughs> the ah. So uh, uh, Afghanistan combat tour a uh, couple times, and mm-hmm. then uh, and Iraq, Iraq also. Yeah, right. Where where were you flying uh, out of Iraq? So I was based in Taji. So at the time, I was the battalion SP, which I'm not 100 percent sure how to explain. So like uh, the army is set up differently. Then everybody else, we have comp- platoons and companies and battalions as opposed to like squadrons. Okay. So each company has um, a certain amount of platoons and stuff like that. Well, the company has two instructor pilots and a standardization pilot. And the standardization pilot is in charge of those two IPs, right? And he kind of runs the, the program for that company. So when you move up to, obviously, there's a battalion level SP who kind of is in charge of all those SPs roughly and the rough equivalent of a squadron, I would say roughly that, that size. Okay. That makes sense. Now the big difference is I was an active duty, like regular army guy for my first three, the Afghanistan tours. And then on my Afghanistan part three, our Chinooks were reserve Chinooks. And these guys were badass. Like there's a, um, uh, the Marja story. I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll take a quick side point of the Marja. So Marja was the day of holy shit in uh, 2016. Okay. It was like, it was the 5th of, of January, 2016. Okay. Spell that for this, me. I'm sorry. 
And this is in, this is a, yeah. this is Afghanistan, right? Uh, yeah, this is southern Afghanistan. Yeah. It's just north. It's it's in the uh, the Helmand River Valley. So like okay, the not no, not fun part. Yeah, um, north of uh, Kandahar. No, uh, no, it's it's west of Kandahar. It's quite a west bit west Kandahar. of Kandahar. So okay. did you ever fly into Dwyer by any chance? Yes. Okay, so it's between Dwyer and Bastion. Oh, okay. Right. right. I know. I know exactly where you're at. Yeah. So uh, there's like a little. It's like a thumbprint of. De- it's yep. weird. Anyway, so. Let's get back to the to the to the thing with um, with Marja because I'm gonna get out and start some squirreling again. So we're I was on night shift. I was pulling night QRF quick reaction force with uh, another guy who is just the night. If you go and look in the dictionary for the nicest guy ever, you're gonna see a picture of Corey Haynes. He's just a wonderful, wonderful person, and. One of the most badass helicopter pilots I know. The dude is fantastic. He's a maintenance test pilot. So he just, he's in the process of retiring actually right now. But can't say enough like fantastic things about this guy. I love him. Okay. So I was uh, chalk one. He was chalk two on night QRF. So we are coming into work. We stopped at the chow hall there in Kandahar. It's just a big tent, you know. Yep. And we're eating breakfast, which is everybody else's dinner, which that was the only downside to, to night shift is just you get up. I don't, I don't, I don't want a sandwich for, for breakfast. I want yeah. some breakfast food for breakfast. But aside from that, it was great. So we're in there eating. And one of the, one of the runners from the talk, uh, sorry, uh, tactical operations center, kind of like the command post, basically yep. Yep. comes tear ass and into the chow hall. And he's like, you guys need to come right now. And we're like, what, what's going on? And they're like, just, Come now. So we all get up and run over to the talk. And as it turns out, a med bird had crashed. So a medevac. And uh, actually, interestingly enough, uh, the crew chief on that aircraft was later uh, one of my SIs or standardization instructors. Okay. So we hear this. And, and of course, as you know, or you may not know, if an aircraft goes down in Afghanistan, the whole country stops. And everything goes to that spot, right? Well, um, in the daytime, the so the basic gist of the way it worked out, the there was an SF team that was in Marja, and they had gotten basically stuck in like this little compound, right, and just in this nasty firefight. And one of their guys had gotten shot in the leg, I think it was, and he was really messed up. So they called medevac. So the med guys come in and there's not really a great place to land. So they try and put it inside the compound, which a little snug, a little snug. Tight. All right. Yeah. It was, it was so tight. In fact, that they clipped the roof of the building with a rotor tip. Yeah. yeah. Of course, so, this is nighttime. Confirmed nighttime. Oh no, this was daytime. Oh, this this was, was in daytime. the middle of the afternoon. This oh, is oh. like when you don't want people shooting at you is because right. <laughs> they see everything. See. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and there, and they basically landed in the middle of a three-way like gun shooting match. It was just, it was anarchy. So they landed there, and they were, and and their hearts were in the right place. They, like they were trying to save lives. Like I get it. But so they clipped the building because Mike model. They were in a Mike model sixty, which is the new digital thing, but it's got an anhedral droop rotor tip system, which means the end of the rotor, like on a Lima model, it does this and it's kind of slanted back. So like the rotor kind of looks like this, right? On the Mike model has that same slant, but the slant is down, right? So like the blade is going to, 
or I call it a droopy tip for people yeah. who don't know. Okay. So had they been in a Lima, they probably would have been okay, but they were in a mic and they just caught the rotor tip right on the edge of that building. So of course they couldn't take off again. So they spent and their other aircraft tried to come in and get them a couple of times and they just got the shit shot out of them to the point where oh. their hydraulics locked up at like they flew back to, to Dwyer and they taxied into parking and the hydraulics locked up and the flight controls locked up. Like that's how bad they got shot up. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was nasty. Oh yeah. They got tore up. So we have an aircraft on the ground in the middle of a firefight and this thing, like they were getting mortared. There's literally a mortar hole through the stabilator, like that big wing thing. So if you look, I don't know if you see it, right. This thing on the back, it's called a stabilator and it kind of, it keeps longitudinal stability. So it keeps you relatively level. Right. So it's a big wing back there. And mortar around through that thing? Through it. It went through the stave because it's just aluminum. Yeah. <laughs> it went through the stave, hit the ground, and exploded. Like it was just, I, I use the phrase shit show, um, and there's not really a better way of explaining it. It was just a mess. So we're trying to get in throughout the day. Not me. I was, I was asleep. So they're trying to get in throughout the, the afternoon and, and get these guys out because it happened in the early afternoon, I think. And the weather was crap. It was like 501. Like there was a low cloud deck and it was just the perfect storm of, of oh, yeah. nastiness. So fast forward, they're unable to get the guys out, right? So I get rousted from my lovely evening meal and as well as the other guys in the crew. And me and Corey had fairly junior well, not they were younger guys. They were not nearly as experienced as our first deployment. Uh, one of them was, a, I think they might have been. No, one was a PC, our pilot in command, and the other one wasn't yet, I think. But they were, they were good guys. They were just weren't very experienced. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So we go to the talk, and the BC, sorry, the battalion commander, uh, this guy was a combat, combat commander, the likes of which I had never seen. He was, we called him the Cougs. And people still talk about him now with like reverence. Like this guy was like, if you were bringing the fight to the enemy, you were good, you know? And that was all he cared about. He, he never wanted to go past battalion command. So he was like, we're doing it now. And it's in his business time. So we go in there and talk to him. He's like, all right, guys, you talking to me, you and Corey are going to, we're going to, you guys are going to fly out there as a flight of two. And then you two are going to get in the same helicopter and you're going to take the senior crew chiefs and they're going to get in the back with you. And you're just going to be my on standby. I don't know what I'm going to do with you yet. Just get out there. So we obviously launch. We fly out there. And we shut down. And we walk inside. And nobody really knows what's going on. The 47s, actually, the 47s, the unit that I'm currently with right now, as a matter of yeah. fact, put in like, Jesus, <laughs> like 100, 100 dudes, uh, SF cats, and their, and their partner forces. And they moved to the target. And now you can't see my hand gestures. But they moved to the target. And they kind of helped secure it a little bit, but it was still in the middle of a firefight. So they are there. We fly out and they're like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We need you to get the DART team. So it's so DART is down aircraft recovery team. They had something wrong with their tools. I forget what it was. Like they got mud in them or something like that. And they couldn't cut the blades off. They couldn't do this and that and the other thing. They oh. couldn't rig the bird to come out that night. So they were like, all right, you two are going to go in. We're going to have some Apaches follow you into there. You're going in by yourselves, but we'll have the Apaches so it's not single ship. 
well interestingly enough going in as your armed escort right exactly exactly now what is amusing remember that guy i told you about the uh the um the uh the marine that was in the yes he was the pc on that aircraft believe it or not just as a side point okay the wind warrior program guy yeah so they kind of came back towards dwyer we launched and then we're kind of flying towards marja and these guys were like, all right, we got you. And then as we're coming in, I'm, I'm looking down and it's just, I could, I can still picture my head. It's crazy. So there's an AC-130 dropping to tra- denial fires. So they're just, there's stuff blowing up on the horizon. Like it's just, there's tracers. It's just a, like, it's wild. So I'm looking at all this and I look over at Corey <laughs> and he's talking to the stack. He's, he's engrossed what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then my crew chiefs and one of the crew chiefs was one of our platoon sergeants. And this guy has just been in combat his entire career. He, wow, uh, he's done some stuff. And he's like, all right, I'm going armed because we're just about to nose over to get down in there. And I was like, all right, Timmy, here's how you buy the big one, buddy. <laughs> so uh, I had that little moment to myself. And I just... Fuck it and nose it over, you know. So I'm I'm <laughs> I'm screaming at the ground. Uh, we and it's something we do in Blackhawks. We take the doors off so we can see better because the armor in the door is like glued to it, and it's about the size of a piece of paper. So yeah. I'm like, I would rather see. So we just take it off and doesn't matter, and I can see better. So we're now at this point <laughs> zero alum. <laughs> <laughs> what time of day now what time of night is this now what, oh this is oh probably two three o'clock in the morning okay all right so it's the the darkest zero loom night sure. is of course you're familiar yeah. with it's a, and i am a cat. but you get all this great lighting now with tracers going everywhere and exploding. oh yeah that's, shit going that's awesome super awesome it's <laughs> really easy to see with tracers all this stuff anyway so and also it's behind the stuff so i'm moving towards the target well I'm also literally knocking dirt off my wheels with the tops of trees because I am seeing all this and I'm like, these fuckers are not going to shoot me. That ain't happening. So I am just <laughs> in it and down in the <laughs> 120 knots to the treetops. Doesn't sound fast, but I'll tell you what, it feels fast. Uh, I was completely task saturated. And at the time, this is my third, I probably had 1500 hours somewhere in that area. Uh, maybe maybe closer to two thousand. That's some serious time. That's some good yeah. experience. Yeah. yeah, and uh, and this is my third deployment to the same country. So like I, you know, I'm fairly comfortable. I mean, I will say comfortable, but I I knew how to do stuff. Yeah, this and, wasn't uh, your first rodeo. Not my first Obviously. rodeo. They they wouldn't have put you in that in that position if it was. Well, you 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 were there. You were in that. You were there that night because you were the guy. Yeah, and also Corey and any other guys. Cause, and so Corey is basically talking to Stack, and as we're flying around, there are some trees that are taller than other ones, you know. And, like, he would talk to the Stack, and then he would say, 3, 12 o'clock, and I would crank it over, you know. Because they <laughs> when just you're worried about tree height, <laughs> you might be too low. Well, too low is a relative term. So, uh, when people uh, are shooting at you, can you get too low? Well, there's that. <laughs> well, there's the ground. I mean, as long as you don't <laughs> yeah. hit the ground, right? You know. Yeah. Well, we actually know a guy so, that, uh, that beat the ground too. We're trying to get yeah. him on the podcast, but that's a whole nother oh, yeah. story. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're pushing into the target and I know 
roughly where it is. I saw a picture of it on imagery before we left. So I know roughly what it looks like, but the picture is from directly overhead from like a UAV. Okay. So I am pushing to this target with this little bitty yellow number one needle. And it's literally like that big on my, on my, uh, steam gauge. So I know I'm getting close. I'm watching the counter countdown. I'm like, I'm getting close. I'm getting close. I'm getting close, but I don't know where it's at. I don't know where it's at. So I pop over a tree line and then I see an SF dude, just as cold as a cucumber, like lays in the ground, like land here. So I do a, the biggest <laughs> woe boy of my entire career. I What's just, whack. Oh, sorry. That's when you pull the nose, you stop basically. Okay. So you yank the nose up and then you, you bottom out the thrust or the collect, depending on what you're flying. You put your left hand down and your right hand back. And what will happen is it basically, it's like a big speed break. Okay. So you, you do one of these things. And then I did like a kind of a turn thing and landed right next to the building. Well, the clot wall. And so I stuck it right there and I like lean out and I'm looking out the door and I see this SF guy and I'm picking up the, um, the dart team and I see this SF cat like pointing, like, don't, step here because you're going to, you know, and he's like a little, like a, like a, like a flashlight. He's like, don't, don't hit that. Cause you'll fall. And these <laughs> dark guys are coming out and I see one guy hop over the thing. The second guy hop over the thing. The third guy doesn't look and just smack like face plants. So I'm <laughs> laughing my ass off in the middle of this LZ with just tracers going everywhere. It was, it was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen. And <laughs> that picture in my head. it was hilarious. So, and it was, it was uh, one of the sergeants. So they all get in the back of my bird and I'm like, all right, let's, let's, let's make like a tree and get out of here. So I just yanked the guts out of it, nose it over and we come blasting out. And uh, once we got back out over the desert, I just did a cyclic climb and came back up the altitude. Now, what was funny about this is Morales said the Apache guys were following us in providing top cover. Right. Yeah. They didn't see us at all until I did the whoa boy. So the, the guy that I was talking about, the wind warrior guy. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. he's like, dude, I didn't know where you were until the very end, but that was a cool whoa boy. <laughs> so we stuck it in the ground and uh, and they we got him out, whatever else. So we went up having to go back the next night because they were in there. Like there was a firefight there for like, I want to say two or three days. It was just a big, nasty, nasty thing. Wow. But we wound up the next night sling loading this helicopter out. And this is where the 47 guys come into the story. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say their names, but, uh, I work with one of them currently. And right. when he walks, you actually hear a clang noise from, you know, yeah, from, from the big balls. From, he's from dragging. The oh, stones yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These things are made out of brass. So this uh -huh. dude is, and what's funny. So this, this happened in 2016. It's 2023 now. And every once in a while, we'll still tell stories about, about, about this to each other. And the, the guys who weren't there like Jesus Christ again. Right. So, <laughs> uh, so this dude is sling loading this, this helicopter out of this collot, right? In a 40, so the 47 is a hundred feet roughly, oh. I think above it, Hold picking on. up. Hold oh, on. Sorry. I want you, uh, describe in detail sling loading. I know what you're talking oh. about, but just pretend I don't know shit. Okay. Sorry. So a sling load is when you basically tie ropes to a heavy thing that won't fit in the helicopter and you attach it to the bottom. There's these big hooks on the bottom yeah. and you attach to that and then you pick it up and then it kind of hangs underneath as you fly. Right. Okay. So that's it's a sling like, load. It's like you're towing it out of there airborne for the basically, second time yeah. today. I have to ask the question. 
what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, exactly. Oh, by the way, people are shooting at you while you're doing this. <laughs> oh, this yeah. Is- well, that, that's the thing. So this guy, he, he's, uh, and it wasn't the, like, he wound up doing this like two or three more times. That, depl- that deployment, Afghanistan part three was bananas. Uh, when I got back from that, like, uh, I, I don't think I have PTSD or anything like that, but like I was used to operating at that high level of stress oh, for sure. so long yeah. that when you come back from that, it takes you a while to calm down. Oh yeah. And, and I didn't, the funny thing is I didn't realize that I was weird. Right. I was like, what are you talking about? I'm perfectly normal. My wife's like, honey. Yeah. You're, 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 <laughs> a, little, you're a little weird. You're a little weird. Well, so it took me like a year and a half to calm down year and a half, two years, maybe to calm down after that, to get yeah. back to my normal <laughs> operating system. I can so, so so I can so relate to what you just said. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not always this this horrible thing. You know, sometimes you just get used to operating at that high level of stress and it takes yes, a while to yes, kind of yes, decompress. Yes, you know? yes. So these guys are hanging out at like a 100-foot hover just with their ass just hanging out over downtown Marcia, like the worst part of the country at that moment. Of course, you know, it, it, it moves. And there's just tracers. And I'm sitting on the ground in that same spot I landed the day before. I'm there again, but this time with a flight of two. <clears throat> so we're in that same spot and I'm just looking up. I'm like, those motherfuckers are crazy. Like tracers going everywhere, the whole nine yards. And they're, they lift this helicopter up and they just, whoop, just go on their merry way. Just as cool as a cucumber wow. and off they go. And they take it back over to, uh, to Dwyer and they drop it off and, and it's just, this thing is Swiss cheese. I've never seen. And what's funny, <clears throat> medevac guys seem to think that the Red Cross makes people not shoot at them. Are you kidding me? It's what they aim at. It's a target, right? right? Yeah. Exactly. It's a bullseye, so to speak. I have never seen a medevac <laughs> helicopter that has gotten shot, right? And I've seen, uh, there's quite a few. So every single time a med bird gets hit by ground fire, there's at least one hole in a cross. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> right every time every time here aim here it's a good it's, red it. it's a good contrast point oh my for, for uh for the visuals to pick up yeah. yeah oh yeah oh yeah oh my gosh okay so, so that was uh, here, here's something that uh that it hit me when you said it and so i want to bring i want to come back to this point so you mentioned this guy with the giant balls yeah, is in the process of hoisting this uh, down helicopter up and going to haul it off in in the middle of a firefight. All this yeah, is yeah. going on, but you said, "Yeah, I'm sitting on the ground looking up at it," and I'm thinking, you know, um, being on the ground in the middle of a firefight is probably not a good spot either. <laughs> what what well, the f? The place that we like that particular area was relatively okay. Does that make sense? Like. The, the the SF guys had kind of pushed Did you have out some cover? Yeah, I was say, it sounds like you had I some mean, cover and you were below. There was trees. I mean, there was trees. It, uh, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, no, they I weren't they weren't going to see me on the, well, I mean, theoretically, of course. I mean, I, I didn't get shot, so I guess they didn't see me. And were you guys there to haul more people out or did you take yeah. people in or what, what was it? What was uh, we carried people in and then back out again. So we went in, landed, dropped them off, and then came back. And picked him up later, unless I'm mistaken. Okay. That part's a little fuzzy. I don't 100% remember, but I do remember sitting on the ground, being like that, that like looking up, because like there's just nuts, bananas. Um, so the actually the reason I'm now an AGR in the reserves is because of those guys. 
because I'm not going to leave my active duty unit of badasses to go and be a part of a of a crap unit. You know what I'm saying? These guys are sure. these guys, and they still are awesome, awesome people, and they do really good things. And they were like, "Hey, why don't you do this AGR thing, or why don't you join the reserves?" I'm like, "Man, I got 15 years active duty. I'm not quitting now. Right? Five years of retirement." And they're like, "Do this AGR thing." And I'm like, "What's AGR?" And they're like, "Oh, you're active duty, but in the reserves." And I'm like, "You're messing with me, right?" You're like, "What? How's that?" Work? This sounds awesome. So I came back from that deployment, and I went down to Rucker. I was supposed to go down there to be just like a like a just a regular line IP down there at flight school. And I wound up getting pulled into the G3 shop, which was like the cakest job at Fort Rucker. It was piece of cake. Exactly. Mm, cake. <laughs> exactly. It was only IPs. And so when I was down there, I started getting a little bored because I knew I had enough time left. I was probably going to go back down range again, just based on principle, because like my deployments are not unusual. Like most of the guys who came in when I came in had the same amount or more, honestly, than me. I'm just an average guy. Okay. And I applied for AGR and I got picked up. They're like, yeah, you probably won't deploy. If you come AGR, you probably won't deploy anymore. I was like, interesting. I, I might be all right. Where, where do I yeah. sign for that? Exactly. Yeah. Well, so hmm. I, I, show, <laughs> I show up and they're like, hey, we're going to Iraq in six months. I'm like, shit. What? <laughs> uh. Of course, like, this is are. awesome. Yeah, of, of, of course, that's how it goes. So then Iraq, and I, I like I don't have a whole lot of like great stories about Iraq. It was it was mainly I was I was a staff guy and I didn't do a whole lot of good stuff. Um, I did. You say you say you were at uh, Taji. Yeah, Taji, Taji. Okay, okay. So we I, the only thing that I did of any note was so lame. Uh, we carried what's his name that news guy, Brian Williams, David Muir. Well, no, David Muir. I think, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's David Muir. He did yeah, a special Brian Williams on, got caught lying about it. We were on oh, fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just be who you are, man. Just tell yeah. the truth. So David Muir wanted to do a special on the war in Iraq right at this time. And this is 2019 when this is going on. So Okay. Like I kind of almost feel bad logging combat time for this deployment. Like it was just nothing compared to you know, uh, anyway, yeah. so he wants to go out to this place out like west of Al Assad, like some little corner of the desert, and meet with some Iraqi ground unit and do interviews and stuff like that. So, we, myself, and the brigade SP, because it looks sorry, the brigade is the above the battalion, so it's like okay. company, battalion, brigade. So, he was essentially my unofficial boss because he's also a warrant officer, but. Uh, I essentially, I work for my cup for my battalion commander, and also like I get a lot of guidance from the brigade SP if that makes sense. Okay. Well, the place we we're going to, we pulled it up on imagery once again, and it just looked like a like a like a flat dust ball of just nasty dirt. As we've previously talked about, I like doing dust landings. I'm pretty good at them, or used to be. I don't, you know, nowadays with Fox Model Schnook, you don't have to be good; it does it for you. But so I was like, all right, I think I probably need to do this. Because this is kind of my thing, so I'm gonna I'm gonna fly lead on this, blah blah blah. So the brigade SP jumps. He's like, all right, I'll be I'll be the AMC, the air mission commander at AMC. So we're flying over, and we actually had to fly at terrain flight for reasons I can't really get into, but we had to to do this. So we basically buzzed Iraq from what is the name of that fob? It's right next to 
the bad places, uh, Fallujah and okay. um, mm-hmm. and those areas. I forget the yeah. name of the problem. So we picked them up there and we took them all the way out to Al-Assad or out past Al-Assad. And we stopped for gas in Al-Assad so on and so forth. And we're just like buzzing along at like 10 feet, just, just getting it. It was actually a lot of fun. It was daytime. The threat was low, but we had to, to do this for a variety of reasons. And I'm just having, having fun. Right. And okay. he video. So obviously they're videotaping this stuff. And the only video of all this badass helicopter flying we did is out over the desert west of Al Assad. It is pancake flat. I was at 120 knots, 10 feet off the ground and I was bored. There's nothing it's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, it's just nothing. So uh that's the video of the fly of the dicks. And I'm like, that's the video with the video. But anyway, that was the only like remotely interesting thing that I did uh in Iraq. Everything else was just, you know, ass and trash carrying people around. Nothing's nothing special. If I said it's, if I used the term the myrrh, does that ring a bell to you? The myrrh area? Middle that does sound Euphrates River Valley. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That was yes, the hot indeed. area when I was there in 2018. Yeah. 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 That's always the You go into the Murr. I'm like, what? Yes. Murr? I can't find this on a map. No, it's oh the, yeah. The I remember that River Valley. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was still kind of going on when we showed up. It wasn't uh, super duper duper crazy to kind of there was a, a lull because you know they pushed out ISIS and all this all other stuff and then the Turkish thing, which was interesting, but like. I am familiar with uh, with, with the mur. It took me a second. Though. I was like, I know, I've heard that before. I know that. I know that name. Nice. Well, outstanding. Uh, holy cow! I, th- I think we got another show title uh, possibly in there too. One hundred twenty yeah. knots, ten feet off the ground, and I was bored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, because yeah. that's boring. <laughs> we. It's funny how our uh, our perspective on such things change over time, huh? <laughs> right. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That is awesome. Very cool. Oh man, hit us. Okay, so you don't have an ejection handle. Um, no. So you no, didn't have one of those to tickle. Uh, but mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what what's the closest you came to uh, bending metal uh, slash uh, crashing? With, uh, which time? Without ever doing so, yeah, okay. Uh, uh, that's that's the thing. There's been oh, there's been several time? times. Um, okay, well, and our well, our other question along those lines was: see, here's how we came with the ejection handle thing. I always mm-hmm. used to say, what was the scariest or the funniest thing you ever saw in the airplane or in aviation? And when people would go, ah, I go, okay, did you ever touch the ejection handle? And that usually went, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah so yeah. you don't have that, but uh, so what's no, the funniest no. or scariest thing you saw? Okay, so let me think. The closest, oh, there's uh, there's been several. There's probably been like five or six times when I've had that conversation. Like, ah, here's how it happens, Timmy. Like, and as you're like sinking towards the ground, and you're like, here it is, buddy. <laughs> and I've had I've had that conversation at least a half a dozen times. Okay. All right. So the first time, well, the first time because I remember that one pretty good. We were doing just a regular ass and trash ring route thing, and I was flying, um, and I was a young PI at the time. I was, you know, not allowed to do stuff by myself. This is in Afghanistan? Yeah, this is Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We're just doing a regular ring route, and we're going to, I can't remember the name of the fob, but it was just this dusty mo- So, Afghanistan dust. Let me just side like squirrel for a second. It is yes. talcum powder. It is yes. the nastiest. Yeah. It gets everywhere. 
and it's just whoosh, like in it. And sometimes it's like we would come out of the top of the cloud, um, usually at 150, 200 feet, like because you you take off and you're completely IMC. Sorry, you, you yeah. can't see outside. So and so you're flying off. Your, yeah. yeah, you're flying off your gauges and you just kind of set an attitude and hold it and just come up and you're just climbing and climbing and climbing. And then when you pop out the top, you're like, oh, I can see again. So that's cool. Okay, quick sidebar. Sorry, I, I got to do that. I'm sorry. How hard is that on the engines? You go through engines faster over there. Uh, the dust. Yeah, it it it. We got really good maintenance guys, so it will it will wear away. Wash them a lot. Yeah, just wash them a lot. Yeah. So uh, back in sixteen, the biggest thing was the heat. Really, so we would yeah. compressor stall so hard on startup. Um, so we were doing, and, and in sixteen is when we started working with the really fun, the really fun ones. Those are the ones that really. Uh, I'll tell you about my favorite landing in a minute, but yeah. so, right. so back to, back to the th first time you thought this was it. Yeah. The first time that I thought this was it. So we're in this dusk and we're, we're chalk two. So we're landing behind another helicopter and I'm like, I'm going to stick this. It's going to be awesome. Cause I'm a badass helicopter pilot with my whopping hundred and 200 hours. You know? Well, as it turns out, I was not a badass helicopter pilot and I almost killed us because so we're down here and I'm like, I'm just if if I lose sight of the ground, which now this is in the days before you took the doors off. Right. Okay. We took a lesser from the 160th, which is why, because they always take the doors off their Blackhawks. And this is before the days when the regular army was allowed to do this sort of thing. So I can't see shit like it's just visibility is awful. So we're coming in. I'm looking at the ground and I and I lose the ground completely. I've got no references for how I'm drifting around. As long, if you land level moving forward, then you're going to be okay most of the time. It's that cyber drift. So if you have oh, a cyber drift, yes. okay. you'll catch a wheel and roll. And then yeah. you start and digging rotor blades in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then that's, that's how you ball up a helicopter. So essentially, I was trying to hover with no references to the ground because I was trying to be a badass. Of course, not a good idea. Because yeah, you can't so, see, right? You're you, you can't see. You can't and like, see now. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, I'm hovering and I'm like, the crew chief's trying to calm me down, but he had like a real strong accent. I forget where he was from, but he had a real strong accent. So I'm like trying to hear what he's saying and I'm trying to, to like respond to what he's doing. And I just, I can't do it. And we're drifting forwards towards the other helicopter and the pilot in command grabs flight controls and she says, go around. And she grabs the controls and does a go around. She pulls in power and knows it over a little bit so we can you know, start moving forward so we're not going backwards or something like that. Because we have no idea which way we're facing or pointing or whatever at this point. Oh, my gosh. That's terrifying. Through the chin bubble, I caught a glimpse of tail rotor. Oh! Yeah. So that was, that was super fun. That was super fun. Uh, I, uh, had it not been so hot, I might have peed in my pants. Oh, that <laughs> reminds me of another one, actually. I almost hit a C-17 one time. Oh, that's well, fun. Uh, C-17, that was airborne or one that was not airborne? It was airborne. Oh, shit. All right. Well, I want to hear I that. I could clearly yeah. see the pilot in the cockpit is how close we were. So we were in, Sh no, not Shaburgan. That's a different place. In Shindan, right? Okay. And I was on Nike URF once again. There's a theme. Um, so at the time, we were doing what's called a purple team. Now, a purple team is an Apache and a Blackhawk because the Apaches, they're uh, they go through phases where their maintenance is crap and because they're, you know, they break a lot and stuff like that. Well, at the time, they were having one of their, and, and it's on a cycle. Like sometimes they're really, really good and sometimes they're really bad. So it was just one of the bad cycles. So we were flying with, with an Apache. 
and it's zero loom in Afghanistan. So I'm hanging out well, at 1,500 feet. Of course. What? <laughs> you, could be, you want to be able to see? Nah, not here. So we're hanging out at 1,500 feet, and there's a tick, sorry, um, a troops, troops in contact. contact. Yeah. There's you. a firefight going on about a mile south of the runway. And Shindan's runway ran 3618. So dead north, north, north and south. due south. Yeah. So we're about a mile south, just kind of hanging out, just doing idiot circles, just waiting for the Apache to do Apache stuff because I can't do anything. I can't see anything. And we're getting jammed. The ground guys had jammers for IEDs. So we would hear, you know, on the uniform of the victor. And then all of a sudden I hear the squelch break and I hear moose five, five, you're clear to land three, six. Moose is a call sign for C-17s. Yes. So I look out my left door. Now my doors are off because this is when we were allowed to be cool. So I took my doors are off. I look out and we're just about to cross center like we're just short of of three six yeah so i look over at the other guy I smack him in the arm and i say break right so he cranks it over i look out the door like down out the door and i lock eyes with the pilot of the c-17 at two o'clock in the morning now he's not wearing goggles so he probably didn't see me Holy i could shit. clearly clearly see the guy uh so what the best part of this story is, this also might be the funniest thing as well. The crew chief, remember the guy who told me to stop being a pussy? Yeah. That yeah, guy. Yeah, so yeah. he he literally, without missing the beats, like, that guy had blue eyes. <laughs> <laughs> was he on the same side of the plane, uh, same side yeah, of the yeah, helicopter as you or so? Yeah, he was, he left, was yeah. looking out. Yeah. So I I, have blue like, we're both looking down at like, oh my God. I, Clearly, uh, I have never been that close to another aircraft in flight in my life. How about that shit? And at that point, I cussed out Tower. Like, I just let him have it. I was not politically correct whatsoever. I was calling yeah. him every word in the book. Hey, Tower, and, you think maybe next time you got a heavy on final, you might want to get us out of the final quarter? Yeah, <laughs> right. or maybe tell him to not thought. land because yeah, they right. landed directly over top of an active firefight. Like, there was... They were actually shooting and they cleared him to land and we told him we were there. That's the best part. Yeah. So you know, the, the best part is, is you're probably right. Those dudes were not wearing nogs. And had they been wearing nogs, they would have seen the firefight. I'm like, yeah, no, we're, we're going to wait until yeah, that's no, over. Jeez. Or maybe come in and land the opposite direction or something. Yeah. Well, now there's a thought. Hmm. Right. Crazy. So <laughs> I chewed out tower, like right on the frequency, which you, this, as you guys know, generally frowned upon. So, but I was, I was pissed. I was yeah, well, super mad. Super yeah, mad. Well, you know, uh, near death experience will do that to you. Was, yeah, it'll get your attention. It'll get your attention. Yeah. Yeah. So we go back to the talk, and I'm like, "What in the like? This is not okay. We can't. Th we cannot have this. Like, this is awful." And they're like, "Well, you can file an OHR, which I actually don't remember what an OHR is or what it stands for, but it's basically like a you done messed up report." Right. Okay. Operational Hatter. something yeah. or another. Ha Hatter. Yeah. Operational yeah. Hazard. Hazard. hazard report. Yeah. yeah. It's it's the, yeah. the Air Force versus yeah, it's called the Hater Report in the Air Force, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Yes. And, they're, and they're probably filed in the round file basket. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, I have no yeah. doubt. So these so I was like they they said, Do you want to file an OHR on Tower? And I was like, I don't want to like do paper on this, but I want to have a conversation with the guy in charge. So he was a fellow warrant officer. So I called him up and I was like, hey, bro, this ain't cool. No. Well, little known at the time, 
and he didn't even know this because they didn't tell him they had filed an OHR on me. Who's they? Nice. Uh, the tower. The tower. The tower. The tower, the tower oh. controllers have filed an OHR on yeah, me. Well, you you insulted their dignity by yelling at them. I did. I did. It was. <laughs> I was. I was mad, and I learned how to cuss in the Marine Corps. So, yeah. Right. Um, so. We're so the OHR comes out, and the. <laughs> And I was like, they're doing what? And they're and the guys in charge are like, it's okay. The C seventeen crew filed a hater report on them. So it kinda they kind of like yeah. equaled each other out, I guess. It was a two V one and you guys were well, we gonna win. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Well I like I was I don't think I've been that mad in a helicopter in my entire life. I was pissed. Okay. Well, it's terrifying, you know. I just Oh yeah. I'm just glad we were above them. If we'd been below them, it would have been really bad. Oh, you'd have gotten by thumped by the wake turbulence. It probably would have uh, flipped us over or some damage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that absolutely. Would have been good. Heavy, <sighs> slow, everything out. Yeah, that would have been a big wake, too. Jeez. Yeah, that would have been nasty. Well, I'm glad <sighs> we're having this conversation, Candyman. And, uh, <laughs> and, you know, you didn't end up in a bunch of pieces off, off the end of the runway there. Well, it's like you say, better lucky than good, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because we should have been. There's been so many times, like stuff like that. Those are the two that I can think of off the top of my head. But um, that was so. I was glancing over my piece of paper, and uh, Farad JTAC. You're talking about these, you, the 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 call sign thing. So Farah is a town just south of Shindan. It's over a little mountain range, and the JTAC for the Marsoc team down there is. I have no idea what his name is. He never. We never knew his name. We only knew his call sign, and it was Simmer, which is short for shit in my room. I asked him about it. <laughs> and we always knew how important the guy we were going after that day is based on the color of the wife beater he would wear to the brief before we would go. So, okay. Right? So he's coming, he's wearing cami pants, and he's wearing a wife beater every, every time without without missing so if it feels like a white wife beater or something like that it was ah whatever he's kind of a mid-level guy or whatever but if it was wearing yeah. his maroon wife beater we were going after the the, the big big kahuna so so was uh, this that, was this a uh, code like unspoken code or oh was no it was a luck dude, thing okay. it's just how he rolled it was a luck thing oh, okay all right and he so he was a marine f-18 pilot who was doing his ground tour as you guys do yep and he just got put with a, a Marsoc team in Farah as, as their JTAC. And these guys were like Marsoc. So all the special operators have got their own special, like flavor, if that makes sense. Right. Sure. And being a prior Marine, obviously I'm a little partial to Marsoc, but these guys were just awesome. Like all the teams we worked with were just as cool as a cucumber. I actually, interestingly enough, the team commander out of, Herat, I wrestled against a dude in high school. I had no idea. Like, we just kind of figured it out. Oh, small world. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, it's, it's a small world. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But uh, so those guys, the dudes in Farah specifically, were, they were always just getting into stuff. Like, they were just firefight after firefight after firefight. And which brings me to the time they actually hit me. Well, not me personally, they hit my helicopter. So I was on day QRF because I'd rotated to a day schedule for an air assault we were doing in the day for the team out of Herat because they like to do it day stuff with their guys. All right. Sorry. QRF. 
Oh, sorry. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> and and I'm on the purple team. And the Marsoc team out of Farah was in a firefight. They were pinned in a building. And there's a little bit of backstory to this. So in Farah, there was a Afghan army uh, garrison called Shuwan Garrison. Well, they were doing, I forget the name for it, but they were doing like a meet and greet with the local Afghan leaders like about a week before. Okay. And the Af- an Afghani walked up and started shooting them. And so two Marines and their dog was killed. And this is literally not like seven days before the incident I'm about to tell you about. And hey, what, I remember what year was this? What year was this? This was uh, yeah. 2013. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, and I remember because I had to carry the second Marine died in the hospital uh, in Farah. The first one was, was, was DOA. The second one died in the hospital in Farah. And I had to go down and pick him up because I was still on nights at the time. I had to go down and pick him up and carry him back up to Shindan to be shipped home on a C-130 or, or whatever it was. And that was the most gut-riching thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, this just like group of badasses carrying their buddy out, putting him on the helicopter. And we shut all the way down and we're cranking back up and, and we're, you know, we're inside the fob. So I can you know, lose a license and stuff like that. And I'm just watching this and I'm, I'm on the verge of crying myself. Yeah. You know, everybody's yeah. just super duper emotional. Cause this is just, because these are the baddest of the bad. Like you don't become a badass Marine with, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So I'm cranking up yeah. and I turn on the light in the cockpit so that I can crank. And there's just full of moths. There's moths flipping all over the place. And I'm like, well, I can't go on a moth killing spree while this is going on. So I just like dealt with it. And, and, uh, we cranked up, we took him and we did the whole, you know, the honors thing and we landed and so on and so forth. And, and to this very day, if there's like a bug flying around my face, I just drives me nuts. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> but anyway, um, so that's the backstory. We are on QRF and we get, we get launched, obviously, to go down to, to Farah for these guys who got themselves. They went out. They were looking for blood. Okay. So hey, they're I'm in sorry. this. I got to answer. I got to ask again. QRF stands for? Quick, Quick Reaction, reaction Force. Force. Sorry. I missed it. All right. Yeah. So we're on Quick Reaction Force, and we get launched in the purple team. It's me and an Apache. And we're down there, and these guys are, are holed up in this building, and it's just nasty. And that same JTAC, the one who wore the Marine Wife beaters for Begumans, Right. He's on the radio and he is just as cool as a cucumber calling out like they're trying to get him to like shoot missiles and guns and all stuff. So um, they're the Apache is doing gun runs uh, in the in the corridor or not the corridor in the courtyard to try and give some some space because the, the Marsoc cats are, are stuck in one building. And then this other building is the one that's kind of keeping them hostage, essentially. Okay. The nastiest firefight I've ever seen from the sky. Like I literally saw a dude pop out of a hole in the roof with an RPG, clear as a bell. I'm at 1500 feet in a turn, like looking down. And I look down and I see this dude pop out of the, like with an RPG on his shoulder and shoot it, but he was an idiot. So he hit the wall in front of him and it was just <laughs> far enough, I guess, for it to explode. So <laughs> like about 15 feet in front of him, like I see this huge explosion. I was like, holy crap. Um, <laughs> dude just fragged himself. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. it was amazing. Whoops. Whoopsie. So he's so we're doing this thing, and the Apache's doing gun runs, and I'm kind of above and behind him. 
So they shoot, they do the break, and then I'm like above and behind. I do the break behind him, and we're in this turn, and I hear wham, and it was sounded like a, it literally sounded like a gunshot. So I thought maybe one of my crew chiefs gotten a little excited, and without my permission, it popped off around right because they're supposed they're supposed to ask first, right? <laughs> Unless we're in immediate danger, like, and I used to tell them this, like, if somebody's about to shoot us. Somebody's about to kill us. You kill them first. Like that and was my are, standing what, rule. What kind of guns are mounted uh, uh, for the door uh, for the uh, crew chiefs? Two forties. They're a seven six two machine guns. Okay, not uh, not a multi barreled uh, mini gun. Oh no 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 no. Yeah, all, all, the one sixtieth has those. They got the the mini guns and stuff. They okay, got the good so stuff. it's a it's a two forty uh, seven six two yeah. machine gun. Got it. Yeah, it's got it's got the the. Um, what do you call the, the spade on the back yeah. with the thumb yeah. triggers? So it's yeah. got that, and um, I was like, like hey. <laughs> yeah. So my standing rule was if somebody's about to kill us, shoot them. Don't ask. We'll talk about it later because we like, you don't have time to talk, have a conversation about this stuff usually when it's, when it's really that quick. So I thought one of them had gotten excited and popped off around because I had a super experienced door gunner on the left and I had like a, a very young guy on the right. And I thought maybe the young guy had gotten a little excited and popped off around. And uh, as soon as I heard the, what sounded like a gunshot. I'm looking, I'm checking my gauges. I called the Apache. It's like, Hey guys, we just had a loud bang. Everything looks okay. We're, we'll get back to you. So, um, I'm talking to the guys in the back and I said, are you guys still Amber? Cause at the time it was green, Amber, red was the way that it worked. And they're like, no, I'm still Amber. And I was like, okay, so what was that noise? And the experienced guy was like, I smell gunpowder. And I said, well, that's, Awesome. So does anybody see anything else? Like, and we're all kind of checking to yeah. see if BDA. anything crazy. <laughs> BDA, yeah. yeah. And nobody sees anything. And I was like, well, I, I don't know what it was. I have no idea. I can't see anything. Everything's working just fine. So I'm like, all right, well, Charlie Michael, continue mission. So we go um, at this, at not long after this, we start getting low on gas. So we have to go back to Farah to stop at the FARP, which is the Ford area refueling point and get gas. We stop and get gas, and that door runner, he's, uh, you need to come and look at this. So I get out of the cockpit, and I go look, and there's a hole where the door, so the doors were open. We had the cabin doors open. So if you look, yeah, yeah these guys, open. Yep. so they're slid open for maximum visibility because we're trying to see what's going on. Well, where the door closes is called the 308 beam, and there was a hole about that big. I don't know if you can see it, that big. About, about two inches across? Yeah, about two inches across. Okay. In that 308 beam. And I was like, holy crap. And I look at it and I'm just, I'm kind of looking around and, and I'm, there's a little, and it's right where the strut for the front wheels, uh, the main landing gear on the left hand side is. And there's a little shelf about that big, about, about an inch or two across. And I, and I'm looking and I'm kind of feeling around the back to see if there's anything else. And I find the piece of metal that was shot out whole and a jacket, like a, the, the, the copper jacket of the round. Yeah, it was an AK forty-seven round had started to tumble, and the angle that it hit—if we had been in about two inches to the left, it would have caught him right in the side of the head. No shit, <laughs> it was that close. If if I had been out of trim, he would have been dead. Wow. Yeah. So he and his name's Ruben. Fantastic, fantastic guy. Um, just love him to death. So we're there, and I was like, bro, <laughs> and he's like, I oh, know. <laughs> yep. Right. So I took it, put it in my pocket, took it back because uh, you have to you have to take it back to the tack ops guy for like battle damage and stuff like that. So, but the story's not over yet. We launch. I'm, I called back to the talk 
and I said, hey, we've had some battle damage, but it seems to be okay. The helicopter's flying fine. We can get back on target. So we go back over, and about this time, somehow, these Marsaw guys had broken contact. I don't know how they did it, because they somehow did it without the Apache shooting stuff. Marsaw guys, what do you say? So they go back, right, right? They go back to Shawan Garrison, which is the, the fob where their fellow brothers had been killed a week before. Okay. Right. So they're on edge, rightfully so, right? Now, of course, they, the guy that, that shot their buddies, you know, they, they killed him, but you don't know who's, who's bad or good at that point. So they're in there and they're calling us and uh, they're talking to the Apache mainly, but I'm obviously monitoring their frequency. And they said, hey, can your Blackhawk come in and get these guys? They had two or three guys. That got, I think it was three guys that got shot up and we can't get medevac started. And I don't remember the reason why they couldn't get the med started, uh, the comms issue or something like that. And our SATCOM was down. And about this time is when the Apache's SATCOM went down, too. So we don't have satellite communication. So we're pretty much only right there in that area. And they said, can your Blackhawk come in and get these guys? And the Apache uh, called me and was like, hey, can you do this? And I said, just over the, the fire's net, I said, I'm inbound pop smoke. So I go in and it's there's like a wall and they're in the corner of the wall. So imagine the box, right? Okay. And in the lower left-hand corner of that box, there's like a pie, right? Like a slice of pie. And the Marines are all lined up in that corner, pulling security with their vehicles and stuff. And they're like, hey, land next to the trucks. We got to load you guys up with stuff. So I come in and at this point, um, it's been a, it's, it's been a bit of a day. <laughs> you think? <laughs> right. So I come in and I, and I land and it's, and it's confined space. So the moment I talked about the whole thing where you slam it in the ground and you roll, like you can't do that because you'll right. roll into a building and crash. So I do. And this luckily enough, by this point, I'd kind of figured out how to do it without rolling forward. So I come in and I land and the dust and it was just this nasty mm, talcum powder. Just <laughs> everything disappears. And we land and I look over to the left and I'm just maybe 15 feet from my rotor disc to one of the Marine trucks. Oh boy. And they're pulling security and there's just like a sea of Afghanis like in front of me, like the ANA guys, the Afghan national army. Yeah. And like that, they wore like a weird kind of camouflage at the yeah. time. So I'm looking at that and I look at the Marines and I'm like, this is not a great place. Cause I've got like this little armor plate that comes out on the side to like, about here on me okay. so six it's, inches in front of your chest six is from my chest and there's no door so they can clearly see me my pi who's so i'm kind of on a 45 so like i'm on the left side of the helicopter actually like i'm on the left side of the helicopter and all the afghanis are that away my pi is over here with a wall to his right so he he pulls out his pistol and like he's holding it in his lap and he takes the safety off and i look at him and i was like Put that away. Because <laughs> I'm between you and them. So, right. no. Dude, He's no. taking cover, man. That's all. Oh, yeah. It's, it's smart for him, but not yeah. so great for me. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, put boy. that gun away now. So, uh, we they load the guys in there, and we go back to um, to Farah, and we're just, just like, we're getting it. Like, we're moving. Now, granted, Farah was maybe... 10 miles from where we were. So it was really close, but I am wasting zero time to get these dudes back. Cause they're obviously pretty messed up. Well, the Italians were there in between us and the fob. 
and they were doing some little air assault and they were inside the tack ring. So each airfield at the time had a tack ring and you would announce where you were in relation to the airfield based on like a slice of pie. So each slice of pie had a different letter, like Alpha or Bravo or Zulu. Right. So you would announce where you were in in that slice of pie so everybody knew where you were. Well, the um, the Italians are just messing around right inside the slice of pie that I need to be in. And I'm just going like the hammers of hell trying to get back to the house. And then I see, uh, I don't remember what they flew. They flew like weird gun birds. It was, I can't remember what they were, but they were like weird European Apache okay. kind of thing. Yeah. And I see one of those and I was like, ah! <laughs> and I just did us like a cyclic climb. So I'm like screaming up to get over top of these guys. And, uh, and we don't have afterburners. So as we climb, we slow down quite drastically. So I nose it back over because I was about to hit the Italian, whatever the crap they were flying. And so we, we get back to the fob and I, I was talking to tower and I was like, Hey, there's some Italians just messing around out here in in whatever, whatever slice of pot was. And they're like, Roger, the, we didn't know that they weren't talking to anybody. My bad. I was like, it's all right. So we drive these cats off and the, the good part of the story is they all lived. Everybody survived. So it was, it wound up as a good day. A little stressful, but it was a good day. Yeah. yeah just a little stress. That was a day. A day. Yep. Yep. Well, thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> oh, we, uh, amazing stories. Yeah. And you, you've got great stories and I bet you could keep going, but we, uh, we're at like an hour and a half. Oh, really? Yeah. I know. Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize. Right. We should probably wrap this thing up. I want to say, first of all, Candyman, thank you for your service to our country. Indeed. Thank you. Thank you. And also, God bless the United States Marine Corps and your service to the Marine Corps. Yet. Super fine. We got to uh, we gotta say thank you to our... our uh, what, 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 what is Dave Hamilton to us, repeat? What, he's I mean, our... Is, is he, he's, he's, our like our God, he's like the godfather. He's right? our mentor. Well, thank you to Dave Hamilton for... Uh, uh, helping us put this whole thing together obviously um if we've uh, said a few acronyms uh you can look yeah. them up on our website so there i was.us we have a glossary page and we may be adding a few new ones uh, i think we are today <laughs> yeah qr qrf thanks a lot QRF's QRF's be on candy man <laughs> yeah you're welcome you're welcome i'm here for you hatter <laughs> hatter i don't know i i think there's several um, i'd have to google ohr i still don't know what that means but <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't either. Uh, we, we need to say thank you to our sponsor, uh, Robin's Bird Braid Designs. And I every time I say that, or you say it, I think, why don't I have my coaster in front of me? And I can pick it up and show floor. you. Oh, there you go. Oh, nice. Yeah, she can laser etch just about anything. Yeah. And we have, uh, she did uh, coasters for us. Uh, and mine have the old, uh, our old squadron emblem on it with uh, my call sign fig. And I have my family's names put on them for Christmas. So they, that was really awesome and she does great work rumble yeah. so there i was dot us slash rumble we're halfway there we've got 51 followers we need 49 more yeah so uh if we get 100 then we don't have to pay to be on rumble anymore and so uh it's free sign up follow us go there and follow for, us. For do it now needed. do it's it now hard. yeah nope, listen to stop repeat. go back you weren't fast <laughs> enough go do it now <laughs> are you listening uh, honey yeah right <laughs> What else? What else? We got uh, we got to say thanks to our uh, friends, the Dos Gringos, who, uh, as Repeat likes to say, is uh, probably the best part of the Air Force. 
right on. <laughs> uh, that's their music playing in the background, and um, they were a great interview as well a few episodes back. Their music is very funny. And very good. I, it's it very good. It's actually very good, and it's funny. Uh, it's One very of my crew introduced me to them back in 2010, actually. Yeah. yeah, it's good. They're good stuff. So what else? What am I missing here? Uh, emails. Uh, emails. Oh, emails. Yeah, if you uh, want to reach out to us like the Candyman did, you can reach us at uh, fig at so there I was dot us or uh, repeat at so there I was dot us. You got questions? You got? You want to throw somebody our direction to uh, interview? We we you know that's why we're here. So yeah. guys like uh, and I'm going to take this to to opportunity to tease. We just booked yesterday someone who won the Navy Cross. Boom. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to that one, too. Yeah. Well, thank you, Candyman. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Had a lot of fun. So, Stay safe and check six. Check six. Well, there I was crossing the pond, and you could see that I wasn't exactly fun of all the shit I was wearing on that day. Now an F-16 is cramped enough, but it's even worse With all that stuff supposed to save your life But we knew there was no way Cause you're going down the North Atlantic, man, it's over And like the song says, it's over <laughs> This is Helicopter Golf Hotel Zulu Zulu Tango We have a casualty on board, request guidance to nearest hospital a location. Location. Um, she shot out the navigation system. Hang on. Runstock. Our location is Runstock. What's her altitude? Um, about 18 inches. Hello? Hello?